This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to Parenting for Faith. My name is Rachel Turner, and today we are talking about curious questions. In a recent study in America, they looked at what made children walk away from their faith, and they found something interesting. The conservatism of the parents wasn't the issue. It wasn't about whether or not they allowed their kids to go out late at night or you know, what their view was of sex before marriage. It had nothing to do with the conservatism of of their parents' views. It was the legalism of the enforcement of that that was important. The more controlling and restrictive parents were about their children's faith, the greater the chance of them walking away. Now, this speaks to the fear that many of us have about not wanting to shove faith down our kids' throats. And so we can back off completely. But we know that isn't the answer either. A parent who doesn't parent for faith at all isn't doing the role that God designed for children and leaves our kids not knowing all the great things that God has for them. So how do we proactively invest in the spiritual lives of our kids without becoming too legalistic? For us, parenting for faith is just about all of that. It's about enabling our children to go on their own journey with God without us doing it for them or forcing them to. It's about proactively encouraging and enabling our children to step into the goodness that God has for them without shoving them. It's about proactively shaping, and it's about surfing their natural waves. A key tool of surfing the waves, of of just going on, going with what's happening in your child's life, rolling with their interests, and coming alongside them. There's more on the page if you want to know more about the surfing the waves tool and in the course. But one tool within this surfing the waves concept is curious questions. Kids can smell an agenda a mile away, and so parents can feel trapped on the outside of their children's faith. But one of the reasons we get shut out is because we're asking questions to diagnose or correct rather than simply understand. Children want to be understood. Teens want to share. And the more we can ask questions purely to wonder together and to understand our children, the more it communicates to them that we want to share our spiritual lives with our children. And we want them to share their spiritual lives with us. Because we're co-journeyers, we're walking alongside each other in our faith, not because we want to control them or their faith. So there's two different ways you can ask questions that will really help this. The first thing is to ask questions to wonder together. There are so many questions in life and faith, and often our children think that if they don't know the answer, then faith must not be true. When actually wondering together, being stumped together, wrestling with ideas is a fundamental part of our faith. Start asking questions that have no answer or that you're still thinking about. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were vegan. But then when they sinned and had to leave, God made them eat meat to eat. Well, he didn't make them, but he gave them meat to eat. So does that mean in heaven we won't have meat because in the original garden there was no meat or not? Will we still want it? Or, a whole different idea, if we were created in God's image, then does that mean that in every person we can learn a little bit about God? What about people who are mean? I had a great conversation the other day with my kid about gene therapy and the ethics of that. We just sat around and wondered together and asked questions. I had a great time with him, a great conversation. 
And we didn't really land on any conclusions, but it was fascinating to talk about what God thinks and maybe and what God's plan is for science. It was so much fun. When we wonder together with no pressure to absolutely decide a right answer in that moment, we teach our kids that spiritually wondering is okay, and it's something that they can do with you. And the second way to ask questions, one is to wonder together. The second one is to ask questions to build trust in talking. Curious questions help us enable our children to talk about what's going on in their minds and hearts without a worry that we'll try to fix everything. Be genuinely curious and willing to go down the rabbit hole for the pure sake of understanding. We all long to be understood. When we genuinely set our hearts to want to understand our child and see through his or her eyes, then we are on the path to building true heart connections with our child. It doesn't take much more time than a regular conversation. It just means continuing a little to see how far it goes. Most of these conversations take five minutes, and they can be done while in the car, walking to school, cuddling in bed, or making dinner. Just set your heart to be curious and start asking. If your child is talking, ask open-ended questions and make statements that follow what your child is saying with no real direction or goal. Here's a few examples. If your kid's talking, you can just say, ooh, tell me more about that. That sounds interesting. What would happen if? Does it feel more like this or this? Why? Why not? What are you afraid might happen? How did that make you feel? You seem to be feeling this. Is that true? What happened to make you feel that way? When did that feeling start? Oh, we can decide that later. Now I just want to understand better. So tell me more about this. As we ask these questions, try not to rush into advice giving or judgment. The goal is to understand our children, not to open them up so that we can rush in with results or with advice or to fix it. We can just say, sounds really tough. You'll figure it out. I've seen you come up with great solutions to many tough problems. I'm always here if you need any help. When our kids are comfortable with talking to us without us judging or trying to solve the problem, then the flows of communication can be open. It helps us understand where our children are spiritually, gives us ways to pray for them, and helps inform us on how we can continue to help them take the next steps in their faith journey. As I was recording this podcast, my kid came up to me and had some advice for you. So uh, I recorded him giving you some advice. So from the child of mine, here is his wisdom. So what's your advice for parents in having conversations? If you want to drop out, uh, just mind yourself, never give up. Why is it important to never give up in conversations with your kid? Because you don't, if you drop out, then you, you might not learn more about your kid and you get to... Learn with your kid. What's a good question that I've asked you? How are you feeling? That's, what's another good question? That f must have feel tough. Mm, that's, so ask questions to wonder together about. And as you get them talking, just ask questions so that you can understand them better. So that out of that, you can walk alongside them in their faith journey and encourage them in it. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you've put us in our kids' lives in those boring everyday bits so that we can surf those waves of their interest and their emotions and what's happening in their lives and encourage them towards you. God, I pray that you create wonderful opportunities 
when we're side by side, that we can wonder together about you, ask really goofy and weird questions, and that we can have these really significant conversations where we can just understand more the heart of the children around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have some really good conversations this week. This is our question and answer section, and normally we go to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and our Facebook account and emails and pull questions and answer them. But today we have something a little special for you. Uh, I went and did a day in Cheltenham and did a whole hour on questions and answers, and they recorded it. So uh, today we're going to use a couple of questions from that live uh, recording to uh, see what some of their questions are and uh, what I <laughs> attempted to come up with to answer them. So enjoy. You mentioned something this morning about parents feeling very guilty. Yes. Could you say more about how you deal with parental guilt? Yes. Um, if you're a parent in this room and have ever felt guilty, raise your hand. Yeah. Welcome! Uh, I find parenting, I just had, I was just in a spiral yesterday. I did this wrong. I was texting Mark. I think I've really messed up. Uh, Parents' guilt, I find, is incredibly powerful and paralyzing for a lot of us um, because we feel like we're never going to get that moment back. You know, you never get a do-over. And so we're like, well, that psychologically scarred my kid. (laughs) Hope that doesn't come back to bite us on the bum. Uh, And we feel like it's irreparable always. And sometimes it is. We've all made, you know, some big mistakes. You're like, yeah, they're going to remember that. That's going to pop up later. Um, And I I think there is this guilt. And and some of it is... uh, is letting go of the shoulds for me. I find that we all live with this set of shoulds in our head. I should have done this. I should have known better. I should have been a better parent. I should have done this. And the shoulds set a comparison that we can never ever recover from. And we live with these shoulds. I should be better. I should have known better than to do that. And, um, or I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And the shoulds are like kryptonite for us parents. And so for me, um, embracing the imperfectness of us as people, I found really helpful because actually like we are all on a journey this is in the confidence book. It was really helpful writing a book on confidence. I decided to write the confidence book because I didn't know what I thought about it. So I was like, I'll write a book on it. So uh, in discovering this, I really feel like this was significant for me as a parent, not just for us as kids. Because for me, we expect us to be better than is logically acceptable that we are. We are all learning. None of us have parented our children. Nobody in the history of the world has parented this child through this season of their life before ever. Like we are, every day we wake up, nobody has ever done this day before with these children. We have no idea what we're going to face. There's no shoulds for that. There's just hang on. But also for us, we are being transformed into being more and more of Christ. We are on a lifelong journey of becoming more like him and growing in maturity. And yet we expect ourselves to be perfect parents when we're 25 with a three-year-old. That doesn't make any sense. We can be the best that we can be, half-tired, on no sleep, at 25 in our maturity discipleship. We, that is the best we had. And there's something about accepting that and knowing that God's got our back on that that I feel really, really important. We don't, like, I love, I love Bake Off. I do. I'm having some emotional trauma about the whole Channel 4 thing, but I'm moving on. Um, 
I know, I know, I know, it's big. Um, but what I love about Bake Off is, is if you think about Bake Off, we don't go, we don't turn on Bake Off and for them say, hello, I made this. That is not the joy of Bake Off. The Bake Off is not the final moment. The joy is watching them make the cake. We don't come in and watch them halfway through and go, what a rubbish cake. We know it's in process. We enjoy the process. The successes and the fails and then when what's her name took his ice cream out of the freezer and then put it on the thing. That is such an injustice. But we love, we love watching. We love watching the journey and delighting in the journey. We don't judge the cake when it's only halfway done, but neither do we come in halfway done and go, what a most beautiful and perfect cake when it's only halfway done. We go, this is in process, and we are all in process as parents. And there are times that this was just my best, and I, with the knowledge that I had, that was what I did. Now that I'm smarter, would I have done it that way? No. Um, now that I know how it turned out, would I have done that way? No. But you know what? With the best of information, with the amount of tiredness I had, with, with all I had, I gave my best, and I trust that God, God's grace is sufficient for me in those moments. And so I just go... God's got it. And so often I'll ask God to do surgery on my kid's brain to take out, so I'm serious. Uh, because I'm like, okay, God, I really don't want my moment of, of weakness to like be embedded in there. So I'm like, okay, God, can you just do some brain surgery and like just take that memory out or pour your grace and change the memory in there. And I just, I just try to partner with God and pray over my kid and I apologize when I make mistakes. And there are some things that I didn't screw up on. I just wish I had done better. And that's just about saying, I gave my best at the time and God, God turns all things to, together for good for those who love the Lord. And I trust that he will take my mistakes and my weaknesses and my weirdness and he will turn it for good in the life of my child because he loves my kid more than I love my kid. And he loves me more than I could possibly fathom. And he's got this. And he let me parent my kid in that situation, knowing how I was like and still trusted me. Welcome to our wild card section of the podcast. This is when I do a whole bunch of different segments. And as I was planning for today, I was thinking, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? And I just wanted to say something to you. It's summer and you may be feeling the pressure. There is so much time. And often we feel like we have we have this, well, we technically we have time, but we're parents. We don't really have time, but we, you know, we have all this this time with our kids and we feel like I should be doing something, you know, and, and a lot of the people around us usually are, are doing really great stuff. You know, they've, I know this, you know, one family went on mission for two weeks and that's awesome. Like what a wonderful, great opportunity. Uh, but I haven't planned that uh, for my family. And, and it's really easy to sort of look around and begin to compare yourself to other families and think, Oh, I, sh I should be doing more. I, sh I should be doing less. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And spiritually, ah! And I just wanted to say, relax. Take the should away. Yes, there are great opportunities. And yes, there is loads you can do. And if you have the emotional capacity and the planning ability, then go for it. Do those great things. Some families can do that. And some families don't do that. And that's okay. I just want you to feel free to choose naturally and not out of a sense of guilt or pressure. Your summer will look different to everybody else's summer. 
Some families are do-something families. And if that's you, then go ahead and do something. You know, volunteer at the food bank for the day. Take turns sharing stories at home. Buy the messy science book, which is awesome, by the way. And do a whole bunch of science experiments that lead to really interesting conversations about God. I mean, there's so much you can do. And if that is you and your family, then go for it. And if that's not you, then don't. Either way, just remember that building connection with your kids helps your spiritual influence with them. Playing with your kids, making memories, spending open time listening to each other lays the foundations for openness about faith. Let conversations about faith and God and wondering together drift up as you ponder together. You know, share stories of your life with God as you travel. My dad did this brilliantly. We were on holiday. Uh, I was nine. We were hiking the Grand Canyon. It was 38 degrees. It was pounding heat, like pounding heat. It got to like 42 at the bottom, something just astronomical. And uh, it takes you eight to 10 hours to hike down to the bottom. And we had reached the bottom. My toes were swollen. My thighs were aching. I was absolutely at the end of what my little nine-year-old body could handle. And uh, we were sitting in the river and it was this beautiful river and it was cool. And I just remember my putting my feet in the river and it just being like, I would have paid millions and millions of pounds for this experience because it was so hot. And we were sitting there and my dad must have been in way more pain than I was because he had like backpacks and everything. And my mom was there too on the side of the river. And my dad, we just sat there sort of brain spacing and just letting our bodies hurt. And then he turned to me and he said, do you see that rock down, down river? There's a big rock in the river. And he said, do you see how the water parts and goes around it, there will be so many times in your life where there will be a big obstacle that comes and you think you're just going to slam into it and it's going to be awful. But that's what God's for. He is like this river. And if you just float in the river, if you just um, abide in him, stay with him, then his spirit will help you flow around these massive obstacles of life. And, and you won't crash. He will, he will swoop you around and he is the river. You just need to stay in the river and, and it will part around anything that is in front of you. Not that it will be all better, but he will turn it for good. He will shape it. It will stay in the river and, uh, and he will guide your path. And I, I, my initial thought was like, why are you talking about this? It's, I'm so hot and tired, but you know what? It impressed on me something huge. It has become like a massive foundational faith stone in my life. 30 years later, I'm still, I can still feel it and know it and hear his words. And there have been so many significant times in my life where this massive obstacle comes up and I just think, okay, God, I just need to get closer to you because you're the one who's going to direct this. You're the one who's going to get me around this. You're, I just need to be in you. And that has become like this absolutely foundational faith moment in my life that I have stuck with for over 30 years because in the midst of being really tired, my dad had a thought about God and he wanted to share it with me. And you'll have loads of those moments this summer. So as you do your holidays and as you hang out with your kids, there will be thoughts that bubble up in your head and I just want to say, please share them because your family will look different from every other family. But it's those everyday moments of togetherness that may become a foundational 
faith stone for your kids because a little bit of wisdom from your heart in the middle of everydayness is so powerful. So let it look like you, whether it's an activity or a conversation, enjoy your summer and let all the stuff bubble out of you that comes up. Okay, so it's time to do our final section, which is media that might help you and questions to start a conversation. I really don't think there's anything that you need to start conversations. If you're struggling to sort of find places to to get started, there's a video on the Parenting for Faith website that uh, is about holidays. You just just type in search on the website holidays, and uh, there's one called Trapped in a Tin Can, which will give you some suggestions about some wondering questions to start with. There's also an app called Table Talk that's available. It's not a Parenting for Faith resource, and so the questions that it has aren't explicitly Christian. They're just sort of general things to talk about with your kids. But if you're feeling like you may need something more formal to get questions going, that's something that I know some people use. But I just want to remind you, you don't need that. You can come up with all the questions you need. You are enough on this. Uh, there's no real need to, to grab a resource. So your question for this week that you may want to ask if you're wanting to wonder together uh, is this. Do you think the first churches did church services like us? Why or why not? If church, like we do now, was all of a sudden illegal, what do you think we would do? And why? So, while you're trapped on a really long journey, have an interesting conversation about was the first church like how we do church? Why or why not? And what would happen if the way we did church now was made illegal? What would we do? Have a really good time this week. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.